in this episode, I may refer to the nano universe as distinct from the macro universe. But those two universes are actually one and the same thing, experienced differently or looked at differently. So what I'm actually talking about is uh, the nano experience of this universe compared to the macro experience of this universe. Hence my new title for this little mini-series called Quantum Experience. Hey, that was good how the music next door died down at exactly the right moment for what I was saying. On with the show. In the following episode, after a little bit of intro chat, just for, I think it was a couple of minutes, uh, I launch into a silly idea for fun, in which I imagine uh, what's inside an electron, and indeed what's inside a proton, and what's inside a neutron, you know, but primarily what's inside an electron, because I'm not sure that we know that, you know, I don't think we've detected anything down there, have we yet? I think we've I think we're getting there with the proton and the neutron. I think there are quarks and things like that under there. But the electrons are crazily smaller than sort of particles than a proton or a neutron. And I don't know if we've gone down into the electron yet. So we just don't know what's inside there. Uh, so I imagined something in there. And I could have imagined anything in there, you know. Could have imagined a, you know, a fluffy rabbit in there if I felt like it, you know. And, uh, and I suppose, you know... Um, a lot of people uh, do have that flexibility and power of mind, and I admire them for it, you know, uh, that allows them to um, imagine that if something might be inside an electron, like a fluffy white rabbit, you know, you could say it to some people, um, I think that inside an electron, if if we were able to see down there, uh, we would find a fluffy white rabbit. Uh, And there are people who can say, therefore, there is a fluffy white rabbit in there. You know, people have, uh, some people have that sophistication of mind in which if something could be true, then something is true. You know, they can make that leap. I struggle. Uh, Mind camp. But, yeah, look, I imagined something inside the electron myself. Now, obviously, I have no idea what's inside an electron. Uh, um, So, just for fun, I imagined something inside the electron in the episode coming up. And the thing that I imagined inside an electron is an entire universe on an obviously smaller scale than this one. So an entire universe. Um, Galaxies and planets and stars, you know, everything. And life evolving in there, you know, and and so on. That's what I imagined inside an electron. Now, 
that's firmly, from where I sit, that's firmly just for fun, you know. Um, I could start a religion and just say that that's a fact, you know, and, you know, people might say, well, you can't prove that, and I'll say, therefore, it's true, you know, because some, if I had that sophistication of mind, that flexibility of mind, that power of mind to say that something could be true and therefore it is true, um, but as I say, I don't have that power of mind. Mind, I'm not that smart. So, um, so the following episode then is only for fun. You know, I'm not putting it forward as fact. Um, okay, um, have I got anything else to say about that? Um, oh, what's the value in imagining what's inside an electron? Well, none really, you know, except to say um, that um, it's worth looking, yeah, it's worth, look, what we do as humans. We have fun imagining what might be in there and then go try and hunting, try hunt, try to detect what's in there, you know. Uh, probably the only thing that's good about the idea of imagining that an entire universe with all the complexity of a universe uh, could be inside an electron. The only advantage of that is to um, is to not rule it out that there could be that level of complexity inside an electron. You know, there could be that there could be that much going on inside an electron. You know, because I, I think that even more myself, for example, if I were if I didn't imagine something so crazy and so stupid, I might fall into the trap of just assuming that, you know, there can't be that much going on inside an electron because it's so small to me, you see. So, you know, I've got to smash my way out of that thinking to say, hang on, there could be a hell of a lot going on inside an electron, you know, and thousands of years from now we might detect incredible amounts of detail inside an electron. Okay, on with the episode. The nano universe uh, doesn't sit below the macro universe. You know, that's a lazy way to put it, Charlie. The nano universe uh, is the macro universe, uh, except when you're looking at the macro universe more carefully. You know. um, but if you're not looking at the macro universe uh, in fine detail, you know, that's the universe we call a macro universe. You know. But if you're looking at the macro universe in fine detail, you're looking at the nano universe and you're looking at the macro universe at the same time. You know. But you know, we've got this um, convenient way of uh, describing the two ways of looking at the same thing. Uh, in, one, uh, in one way, we kind of squint our eyes to make the universe look blurry, you know, and uh, we call that the macro universe because we don't care about the fine detail. And with the other one, we open our eyes wide 
and uh, put on a most wonderful pair of glasses. Uh, and we can see it with great clarity, this macro universe, uh, but simply because we can see it with great clarity, we stop calling it the macro universe and we start calling it the nano universe because we're seeing it look more clearly, you know. So, all right, now how shall we put this? The macro universe is the universe. There's only one universe, it's not two. There's the, the universe, uh, the macro universe is the universe um, seen uh, with uh, squinty eyes. Um, the nano universe is the universe seen clearly. I can see clearly now. The squintiness is gone. Actually, forget all of that. I just had a thought. Uh, which is related, but you know, I just had a thought. I just want to play with that thought. Here it comes. Okay, uh, this time with my Bluetooth turned off. Uh, when I speak with my Bluetooth turned on, as I just did then, as I did just then, uh, what happens is um, uh, my voice gets distorted. And sometimes I don't realize until after I've recorded it. But back. Here I am back with my normal voice. Um, okay, now just for fun, I've had a thought. Um, and, uh, and this is all about warming up into a, um, this, this is going to be a mini series, you know, on the quantum, what are, you know, like the quantum universe, you know, like the, um, the nano universe, as I'm calling it. All right, but just to warm up, I want to I want to have a silly idea and just see what you make of it. Um, it's not science; it's fun. Okay, and here's the funny and silly idea, I, uh, and it goes like this. <clears throat> um, okay, we're living in a universe, right? And but imagine, you know, because sometimes for fun, people imagine what this university universe is. You know, maybe it's a golf ball, and um, and there's a god up there playing golf. <laughs> and he's got his go, and where the you know, or some people think we might be a computer game, you know, things like that, you know, and God's playing a computer game. We're all just um, characters in a, in a computer game, you know, things like that. But just for fun, I want to imagine that our entire universe is um, the um, the interior of an electron in a larger universe. Uh, now, what I mean by that is, imagine there's this super universe, you know, and we're inside it. Now, to what extent are we inside it? Well, here's what I think. I don't think this, I'm making it up and it's stupid and it's fun. Um, all right, imagine there's this big universe and it's a lot like ours, you know, maybe different types of life form or whatever. Maybe no life, you know what I mean? Um, but that universe has, I'll call it the super universe, all right. And that universe has all sorts of properties. You know, like we've got all sorts of properties in our universe. So it might have time, it might not, you know, but it's got properties. Let's imagine it's got space and time for fun. And it's got protons and neutrons and electrons, yeah, and photons. Yeah. Let's say it's pretty similar to the universe we've got here. Um, 
okay but it might be something completely different you know for example it might have no time yeah hmm yeah it might have properties we can't even imagine you know but the point is there's a universe out there let's let's say it's got some form of electron and some sort of proton and some form of neutron and time and space and black holes and all sorts of things okay so this is super universe now um, and let's say there's a life form in that super universe, you know, and we kind of think of those life forms in that super universe as gods, you know, in our imagination at least. Okay, but imagine there's this super universe, and it's got super protons and super neutrons and super photons and super electrons and everything super, super cars and super trees, you know. Um, and it's huge, this universe, so huge, in fact, that our universe... Is actually wholly contained in just one electron in that super universe. So I'm talking huge, right? So our universe is actually inside one electron in that super universe. And in fact, a universe like ours is contained within every single electron in that super universe. So we're talking a huge a number of um, universes in inside that super universe yeah because now there's life forms in that super universe and they've invented microscopes and all that sort of stuff and they have just discovered and they didn't know this that um, their universe is made up of you know atoms and things like that you know so they're evolving and they've just discovered that their universe is made up of atoms, you know, protons, neutrons, and electrons. And they've gone down as deep as they can, you know, inviting, uh, inventing um, microscopes and things like that, or, you know, electron microscopes and all this sort of thing. And they've gone, you know, and they've got a sort of Einstein in there and a sort of a, a Bohr, B-O-H-R, you know, there's a guy called Niels Bohr. Uh, what was he, where was he from? Um, 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 Switzerland, I think. Um, and, you know, there's some geniuses in this super universe and they have just discovered the electron, the super electron in their super universe. But they just call it an electron because they don't even know that there's, uh, there are universes inside the, their electrons. Okay, um, and there are universes inside their protons and in universes inside their neutrons and all that sort of stuff, you know, neutrons. Uh, super neutrons, you know. Okay. So they've just discovered the electron, but they can't actually see inside inside the electron. They're trying to imagine and guess and do tests and find out what's inside that electron we've just discovered. Well, my game here is that we are, you know, inside that electron is our universe, right? I got interrupted there mid-sentence. Incoming calls interrupt my episodes, as always. Um, okay, so, look, you get what I'm getting at. Um, imagine there's a super universe, and within that super universe, there are electrons, and the life forms within that super universe uh, um, have detected the electron, they're very excited about it, and they're making up formulas like E equals MC squared and all this sort of stuff. Um, and um, in that super universe, uh, let's just imagine for fun, um, that energy can be converted into matter 
um, via some mechanism. Look, that can happen in our universe too, you know. E equals MC squared. Um, is it nuclear fusion and nuclear fission and all that sort of stuff, which I have to get into. But um, I, I kind of forget how all the mechanisms of that, you know. But um, I know that um, nuclear, you know, in the nucleus, yeah, so that wouldn't involve, that wouldn't be the electron, would it? But anyway, let's let's just put that to one side. Um, you know, in nuclear fission, for example, um, uranium might split into, and I can't remember what, you know, if, uh, you know, let's say, I think it's thorium or something, plus helium or something like that. But when you add up the mass, the masses of the two new, um, uh, atoms that are created when uranium splits into I have thorium or whatever it is and helium um, the, the, is it true that the combined mass is lower than the original mass of the uranium and if that's the case I think um, that mass has been lost and it gets converted into energy according to E equals mc squared you know small amount of mass, you know, produces a large amount of energy. Now, I think it could go the other way around, nuclear fusion, and um, what is that? A lot of energy in, and, you know, um, and then suddenly a piece of matter, matter comes into existence. Now, look, just from nothing, you know, no matter, suddenly there is matter. You know, well, energy converts into matter, you know. Um, get into that another day, you know. I'm too rusty on physics and chemistry, and I can't remember all the mechanisms for that. I can't, you know. Um, but I will remember that another day after I study up on it a bit. Okay, but the point is, in this super universe, imagine there's a burst of energy which suddenly becomes an electron. Just for fun, you know. Um, and that wouldn't be anything to do with the nucleus. This is to do with an electron. Okay. An electron, you know, is outside the nucleus. Right, but anyway, let's imagine this happens. And an electron comes into existence. Yeah, a piece of matter comes into existence. Where that piece of matter was not in existence prior to that. Was not in existence prior to that. Ah, okay, so from from a matter perspective, a mass perspective mass has come into existence and it wasn't in existence prior you know and then now this is where the I'm going to get silly for fun now imagine when that matter came into existence um, that was pretty much the start of a new universe with you know where that universe um, is contained within that electron that piece of matter Now, as far as I know, there are unusual sort of, you know, things inside an electron that I don't understand. But let's call that, look, semantics. But when an electron comes into being, um, you could say, you could define that the, um, the contents of that electron are a universe of sorts, you know. Now, for fun, I'm going to imagine that an electron came into being in that super universe um, and that the contents of that electron is this universe that I'm living in right now. And um, 
and then after 14.7 billion years, in our years, you know, um, which might be just, you know, 0.147 nanoseconds in the super universe, you know, for fun. Um, uh, you know, after a few billion years, life came on Earth, and after 14.7 billion years, oh, sorry, life came into the universe, you know, evolution happened inside this universe, which is inside the electron in the super universe, and um, then life forms came along, and finally the life forms figured out that they were within a universe, but they didn't know it, but they were within an electron in a bigger universe. They could not detect that, uh, because they can't see past their, the walls of their own electron. Okay, so they're inside this, well, what actually is a tiny little universe, from the perspective of the super universe, but they think it's big because they're tiny within the electron, within their universe, you know, and that's us, okay? And we look back in time and we see that there is a start, a starting point, we, and we call that our Big Bang. But that Big Bang is actually when that electron came into existence in the super universe. Okay? So, you know, that, that happens in nature. Matter does come into existence. Um, so let's say, uh, you know, that electron did pop into existence in the super universe. I can't remember how that happens in this universe, but don't worry about that. We're talking about a fictitious super universe where electrons are created. Uh, that might be possible in this universe too. I really can't remember. I feel bad about that, but I'll get back to that. Okay, so um, we all we, uh, we people within this universe, we look back in time and we say, we haven't been around forever. We have detected that we started at a certain point in time. Well, in the super universe, that was the point in time in which um, the electron came into being in the super universe, you know. All right. Now, now the funny thing is that within the, within the electron, within the super electron, you know, which is a tiny little thing in the super universe, um, it's mostly space. Um, but there are tiny little particles in that. And one of those tiny little particles is our Earth. And within, on the Earth, you know, life forms have evolved uh, inside this electron in this super universe. And um, those life forms have detected in their universe electrons, protons, and neutrons in their universe, you know, which are incredibly small compared to the whole universe. An electron versus uh, the, the size of an electron compared to a universe is very small, you know. But the whole universe is only the size of an electron in the other biggest universe. Wow, you know. Um, so the size of that super universe is massive, you know, compared to our whole universe. Um, and the size of our whole universe is massive compared to the size of our electron. Yeah. Now let's say we are life forms in our universe, the tiny little universe, the incredibly tiny little universe. We live in a tiny, tiny little universe, we do. Um, and uh, I've got a friend who tries to convince me that I should bow down to God uh, and be in awe simply because our universe is so big, you know, and I should be awestruck by that. Yeah, but right now I'm thinking it might be tiny. Our whole universe might be tiny, you know, uh, because when she says this universe is big, um, 
you know, I, I, it sometimes enters my head to sort of say, compared to what other universe, you know, how can you say this universe is big? You know, compared to what? It's the only one we know, you know. All right, now, now we are life forms and we are looking inside our universe, you know, which is almost like a hat within a hat, you know. Um, now, um, and we've detected un electrons in our universe. Now, here's my silly bit, my fun bit. Imagine when an electron pops, if an electron can pop into existence in our universe, that that um, is the start of a, another universe the size of an electron in our universe. You know, in there, in there, in every single electron in our universe, there's a universe in there too. So you've got a universe within a universe at the highest level. Now, can you imagine how small our, un our whole universe is compared to the entire super universe? How ridiculously small our entire universe is? And then how ridiculously small the next universe down is compared to that? Our universe, you know? And then imagine inside that universe, um, there are life forms in there that are incredibly, incredibly, incredibly tiny, and um, and that they are evolving in there. Civilizations like Rome and the United States of America, sort of thing, and um, and then they have an Einstein in there who detects electrons in their little universe. Now, imagine. You keep going down and down and down like that, a universe within a universe within a universe, each time um, shrinking from the size of a universe down to the size of an electron, each time you go down a universe level. Um, imagine how many, the size of the smallest universe, if you go a thousand levels down, compared to the original super universe way above. I've got a feeling it will be um, beyond the greatest supercomputer ever invented to even um, be able to calculate something so small. <laughs> now, is there any point to have even played all that silly game there? Uh, I think not really. You know, maybe that was just a bit of fun. Um, I don't think there was any point to any of that. Um, but uh, at least... It got me thinking, um, you know, where I might say that um, this uh, it got me thinking in the following direction. You know, words like big and small and very big and very small are just relative. Well, we all know that, you know. You, know um, you could say this universe is a big universe, but, you know, compared to what? Well, compared to us, because we're small, you know what I mean? But it's not actually a big universe compared to, for example, if you, if you imagine a bigger universe, then it's not big, is it? Because you just imagine a bigger one. So this one's a bit smaller, you know? And I just imagined a super big universe, in which case I should go to my friend and say, actually, um, compared to a universe I just imagined, this universe is amazingly tiny. It's only the size of an electron as compared 
to our whole universe. You know, our universe is only that size compared to this other universe I just imagined. And then you could imagine, on top of that, you know, you could imagine that super universe that I was just imagining being just an electron within a universe higher than that. Yeah. And then another universe higher than that and go a thousand up as well. Now do the maths on how big a universe a thousand levels down is compared to a universe a thousand levels up. Ooh, you know, that's a lot of zeros. And then um, and then imagine, uh, just for the fun of it, um, a universe 10 to the 19. Uh, you imagine 10 to the 19 universes up, levels up. That's, you know one with 19 zeros, that many universes, up above us, and 10 to, the mon, 10 to the 19 universes down, levels down as well, an electron within an electron within an electron within an electron, you know what I mean? Um, and now do the maths, you know, look, uh, you know, uh, look, if there's anything useful to come out of this, at this point in time, we have kind of detected a nano-universe, which goes down sort of to the level of the electron we can sort of detect, you know, detect. Uh, an electron is a lot, lot smaller than a nanometer, but, you know, that's in the nano-world. Um, so we've imagined something what, that we consider very tiny, you know. But there could be... Um, there's no reason that there, that that... Un, that Electron compared to what's inside it, the electron as a whole could be absolutely huge. An electron that we think of as being very tiny could actually be stupendously huge compared to what's going on within that electron. You know, ridiculously huge. That electron might be just amazingly, stupendously huge, you know, compared to what's going on inside. But at this point in time, we're only up to the level of just detecting that the the electron even exists. We're I'm pretty sure we don't even know what's inside it yet. You know, so we're just sort of, sort of calling it a an electron. You know, but it could be there could be a whole level, a whole universe of complexity within an electron that we haven't detected yet. Okay, um, well, that'll do. You know, I just wanted to deal in a few big numbers there. Nothing else. You know, I just wanted to get myself in context. You know, you know the size of me in context. You know, and compared to some of the universes I just imagined, I am huge. I am a god. You know, compared to some of those universes down under the in, inside the electrons within my body, I am massive and huge. I am god. Okay, but compared to some of the universes I imagined at levels above me, you know, where I'm inside those universes. Where I'm inside an electron within those universes, you know, um, I am tiny. Yes, yeah, so with my friend who wants me to bow down, awestruck. Well, I feel like I am insignificantly small, you know, compared to um, these gods that she describes in her imagination. But I also feel incredibly huge compared to the electrons within me, for example, and stupendously huge. I feel like I am stupendously huge compared to whatever's going on inside the electrons. You know, 
to the power of 10 to the minus a billion. That sort of thing. You know? So I just wanted to deal in some big numbers. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to get some zeros going. Abrupt change of pace coming up. Time to talk to the kids. Uh, children, oh, I've got the podcast running. Don't say your real names, okay? But I need some fake names for you. So if you wanted to change your names, what would you like to be called? Like, um, think of any name in the universe, what would you like to be called? Fred. No, you can't be Fred. Oh, yes, you can. All right, you're Fred, okay? Can I be Jeff? Huh? You're Jeff. So we've got Fred, Jeff, and. Oh. Fred, Jeff, and Bob. <laughs> and Alex is. Alex you just said his name. <laughs> now Alex has got a very special name, a uh, fake name. I made a special fake name for Alex, and his fake name is Don't uh, say. Alex. I just call him Alex. You can't. Alex is such an Alex. You can't change his name. We have to stick with it. Well, technically, Alex and <laughs> and they'll stop that. Technically, um, that is, um, technically that can be true because my name is Alex Alexander. That is true, yes. We use such a name. Alright, now, everyone, zip it. That is you, Fred, you, who's Jeff. Fred? Uh, well, I can't say her real name to tell you who's Fred. Fred's the one on the, Fred on the left. Right, in the backpack. Yeah, Fred is her. Jeff is here. Jeff is in the middle. Bob and Bob is on the right. Wait, wait, Alex, look. Alex. Bob and Anna. Jeff, I'm Alex. Okay, actually, children, I'll explain to you. Are you ready? Have you ever... Who knows how the universe behaves if you look deep, deep, deep down into your bodies to the atoms? And does anyone know anything about how the uni- what the universe is like way, way down inside your atoms? What an atom? Does anyone know what an atom is? No, I've heard a bit, but I don't know what it is. All right. In this episode, I'm going to get myself comfortable with the nano universe the nano universe that's the universe that we humans in thousands of well millions of years of evolution did not perceive as even existing yeah. so yeah i uh, i uh, have evolved via my ancestors uh, uh, to um, have only uh, noticed this stuff really recently Um, for a long long time millions of years including that whole era when I was a monkey uh, well for a very long time all I perceived was uh, bananas 
and things like that, uh, and trees to swing in. You know, um, what I used to call when I was a monkey the macro universe. Um, my language skills were pretty good for a monkey. <laughs> No, I used to just go, ooh, ooh, ah, ah, or whatever monkeys uh, say. Uh, But, you know, in all my evolution, uh, I I did not really know that this uh, nano-universe existed. Uh, You know, from time to time I suspected there was something freaky about the universe and existence and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I, I didn't really have any idea in what way, you know. So uh, I would, uh, in the absence of having any idea, any idea, except, you know, some sort of intuition that, you know, there's something freaky going on here, but I don't get it, you know. So yeah, rather than say, I don't know what's going on here, you know, I would say, God's going on here. You know, I would say something like that. Uh and, uh, yeah, but that did not make me all that smart. Look, from time to time it made me wise. Yeah, it's, a, it's a wise move sometimes, if you don't know the answer to something, to say, to, to give it an answer, you know, a placeholder. You know, call it X. You know, um, that might be, you know, the idea of God might be early algebra. Because when we don't know what something is in mathematics, we tend to call it X. You know, if we don't want to, if we don't want to nail it down yet, you know, we might say it's, it's X. Let's call it X. You know, so you know, say, um, let's call the distance uh, between where I'm standing right now in the heat on a hot and dusty night in Baxter, you know, which is. Um, on the Mornington Peninsula, that's where I'm standing right now, and it's hot, you know, it's about, it's been about, um, 40-something degrees today, uh, and, uh, the whole, uh, city, you know, um, I came from, I came up here from, I came down here from Essendon, uh, and there's been dust in the sky, uh, all the way, so, you know, I think um, dust is coming off the mallee and blanketing us in a in a, a cloud of dust, you know, um, everywhere, you know, um, and and the sun was dark orange, like um, you know that beautiful sun that Los Angeles gets through its p- pollution and through its palm trees. You know, we had that sun t- this evening as I came down here, but. Um, you know, I um, I might um, use the letter X uh, to um, as a placeholder to say, you know, look, you know, I've got to think right now. How far it is? Is it to Sorrento? You know, where I'm going to visit Mum, Mummy. Yeah, uh, I might say, well, I'm gonna. I don't know how far it is to Sorrento from Baxter here, uh, so I'll call that X. You know. Um, and then I might do some calculations on the way, you know, and, and work out what X is, you know. Um, and a little, to a certain extent, I suppose, you know, I might, I might have been a really wise monkey and I might have said to myself, I don't really know, you know, if I was an elite monkey, you know, and I didn't really know, um, uh, 
I, I, intuitively, I sensed freaky stuff going on in the universe, and I didn't know what it was. You know, um, and I, I didn't have any uh, electron microscopes at my disposal in the trees back in Kenya when I was back there to actually um, uh, zoom in on the on the banana that I was uh, peeling to find out what was inside that thing deep deep down at a nano level and you know i just said oh, i love this banana and you know i have such a it seems to be infinitely a wonderful banana and uh who could have made this banana and made it so taste so good you know and uh, i said well god you know x you know there's something freaky about this banana it tastes so good um and all this um air around me uh yeah, I might have said to myself, what are the chances you know, of this banana um, being uh, you know, so beautiful to me? You know, how can that be a coincidence? And look at this air I'm breathing all around me, and it's just what I need to stay alive. What are the chances, you know? Uh, yeah, well, at that point in time, I didn't know about natural selection and that I didn't know that X had uh, actually um, slaughtered everything that, that wasn't suited to bananas and, uh, and oxygen. Yeah, I didn't know that. I just thought, oh, what are, the, what are the chances, you know? I said to myself, of me, look at me, a monkey who needs bananas and oxygen and I look around and what do I see? Bananas and oxygen. It's ridiculous. What are the chances? Bananas is exactly what I want and oxygen is just what I want to breathe and here it all is. Oh, I can't believe it. That's too coincidental. Let's call it X, the thing that caused that. Um, and actually, I'll give it a nice, nicer word than X. I'll call it God, you know. I'm a, you know, um... And then, you know, later on, you know, once I had established X and I, you know, called it one thing, God, uh, and then later on, um, you know, one of my sort of distant cousins, ancestors-wise, you know, Charles Darwin, sort of said, uh, it's not quite... Now, it still may be God, all right, I'm not going to rule that out, but it's not quite as coincidental as you thought, so it's not quite as freaky as you thought, um... You know, it's it's a little less sublime than you were putting it about as being, uh, because uh, what's actually happened is uh, everything that wasn't perfectly suited to uh, the oxygen all around you and the bananas and all that sort of stuff um, didn't stay in the gene pool, you know. Anything that wasn't perfectly well adapted to the environment uh, that this all is uh, died, you know, so it's not actually the coincidence it looked. In fact, it was a dead certainty. You know, as long as there was life, you know, the, uh, the li- life coming onto Earth might have been a coincidence. We don't, don't know about that. You know, look, we're on a journey, and we're only a part the way there. But um, you know, given life did appear, yeah, um, and you can accept that's freaky. You know, we're not we're not saying things aren't freaky. When I get into this episode proper, and you will hear it, I do say that there are many freaky things going on in this universe. Um, but um, but uh, 
some of the things that you have been claiming that has been impossibly coincidental, you know, like the absolutely ridiculous coincidence, as you you believed it, um, that... We need the oxygen. You know, we're we're a a kind of um, ape who needs oxygen. And oh, look at that oxygen everywhere. You know, now that that does sound too coincidental for words. Um, Yeah, until you listen to someone like Charles Darwin, who said, "No, it's actually not a coincidence. Every every possibility, every possible life form was um, putting itself out there, going for the job." of survival and um every single one of them died except the ones who happened to be uh adapted you know it's a little bit like um people who uh, win tats lotto yeah, they feel it's a miracle uh, they feel it's uh too coincidental for words they, just, they they thank god they thank God, you know, and they thank X. Um, but if you're on the outside looking in and you never buy Tats Lotto tickets, you know, you you do recognise it as not as coincidental and God-given as those people would believe, you know, because um, it's an absolute dead certainty that pretty much every week someone's going to win Tats Lotto. So it's not as freaky as it seems, you know. Um, so, you know, look, and if, if I extend that thinking, then I, I probably would come up with the idea that um, maybe, you know, if we do a Charles Darwin on other things that seem freaky, that maybe we'll find out those aren't so freaky. In fact, that's a bit a long process, and there have been thousands of things that we previously thought were freaky, you know, like even lightning coming out of the clouds. We just thought... <laughs> I'm going to call that X. You know, X is throwing those lightning bolts down. I'm looking up there and I don't understand how that's happening. So I'm going to just say X caused that. Yeah. And then, you know, put a word to it and Zeus. You know, Zeus did that. Or, you know, I might come from some other land and I'll call it Thor, you know, or something like that. Someone's, you know, I'm going to say someone is throwing, something is throwing down those thunderbolts because, and lightning, very, very frightening. Um, because I don't know. Yeah, it's really freaky. I just can't fathom it. Um, so, uh, yeah. And there's been so many things like that in the universe. Yeah. We've, we have, um, we've unfreakified many, many things. Mainly through science, you know. Thanks, Greeks. Thanks to the Greeks, mostly. Thanks to a lot of people, you know. Thanks to the golden age of Islam, you know. But thanks very much to the Greek who basically... Yeah, who really turned the page for us to get our mind thinking in this general direction, you know. Um, all right, so um, that's that. And uh, But there are still some freaky things about the universe uh, that we haven't um, nutted out, but we're working on it. You know? and, and, and even though... Um, the people who, you know, are determined to say um, that uh, that it's all God, it's all God, or it's all something else, or it's all nothing else, you know, the uh, the atheists and the nihilists, you know, it's nothing, you know, the, the religious people, it's God, you know, it doesn't matter what you think did it or did do it. Um, an explanation has been found for so many things that, you know, the idea of God is being pushed back and back and back and back, you know, almost into a corner, but... Um, 
And uh, what fascinates us usually, we apes, we great apes. In a coincidence, we called ourselves the great apes, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, and we called the other apes the crappy apes. Uh, well, we're, we're like that. We're pretty egocentric. Um, anyway, there are still things, there are still freaky things in the universe that we're uncovering all the time. Almost as fast as um, we are solving others, you know. And we're getting to the bottom of it. Yeah. And every time we go a layer down, you know, we find there's layers below that. It's like an, an everlasting onion, you know. And, you know and, and when we get to the centre of the onion, there might be nothing there. And there might be something there we have no idea at this point in time. Okay. Uh, the onion might change, you know. You, might, you can peel the last layer of an onion, but imagine an onion that never, where the last layer never peels. Uh, oh, I'll just be... Um, so, um, um, so, what am I talking about? So, I've, I've got uh, a niece here who's wondering what I'm saying. Actually, I might just um, stop there, but uh, because I do have some children here. And um, what I'll say is the episode coming up uh, is uh, going to be about um, some freaky things that uh, we are still nutting about and nutting out and that is um, the way the universe behaves on a nano level down at the level you know of the electron the proton and the neutron you know the atom um, and also down at the level of, for example, a photon of light or an X-ray or a microwave. You know, um, down there, at those tiny levels, uh, the world behaves in a freaky way, uh, by which I mean in a way that we never, um, we weren't, we never saw before, you know, before people like Einstein and his friends. Um, so I'll talk about them. Say hello to my podcast. 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 I'm looking for the off button. Just a sec. Um, I don't think we're going to see the sunset. Ah, uh, no, we're not. Because the sun has gone. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Let's Why get... are you doing a podcast? Uh, well, for my own amusement. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what a podcast is? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if you listen to this one, you'll hear yourself at the end of it. Does that sound alright? <laughs> doesn't matter. And the podcast doesn't know who you are. It, it might, it, I can tell it, the podcast, I can tell it that you're my niece. Uh, but it doesn't know your name because it doesn't even know my name. I use all fake names. Mm. I'll finish off this episode now. And uh, this can be the first of a little mini series of episodes about this. Uh, and just a spoiler alert, I'm getting I'm going to get onto E equals MC squared as well. Well inside your body, right? Inside your body are a whole lot of atoms. Okay? They're like little solar systems inside your body. Oh, 
tiny, tiny, tiny little things, you know? You're made up of atoms. Have you ever wondered what you're made up of? We're made up of air. Made up of 80% water. 80% water. Now, yeah. all that water that you're made up of is actually atoms. Um, water is made up of atoms too. Have you ever heard of H2O? Well, what that means is... It's a show. Hey, it's a show. <laughs> it's also what water is made of. So water is made up of um, hydrogen and oxygen. Have you heard of those two things? Yes. yes. Right. Well, water is actually made up of hydrogen atoms, little bits of hydrogen and little bits of oxygen. And in your bodies... You have a lot of other stuff like carbon and nitrogen and all that sort of stuff. Are you bored yet? Uh, a little bit. Alright, then I'll just move on and talk to myself. Okay, so, um, yeah, kids, now that's interesting. Um, at an age of, at the age of 10 or 11, now this is our school system, and they really haven't gotten into quantum physics at all at this age uh, I was listening to a professor recently who said we should introduce children to the way the universe behaves at a, an atomic level at a nano level let's say um, from the start you know now now these children would have an idea of science they'd be doing science at school you know these are that's my niece and her friends. Um, my son there is just ignoring us completely because he's got his headphones on. He's watching some brainless uh, YouTube clip from America, probably. Uh, but um, he wouldn't know either, you know. Uh, except for what I've told him, you know. Um, right, so, um, yeah, there was a uh, professor recently on the news, and I'll talk about him later, uh, who said we really should be uh, introducing children to the way the universe behaves at a nano level from the start, you know, because in our current school system, we teach them how uh, things move around in a macro way for years and years and years until they get to about year 9 or 10 or 11 and then finally um, we reveal the big secret that um, the universe behaves one way in a macro sense you know just the way the universe looks to us um, around us you know with our you know with the sensitivity sensitivity of our eyes and touch and hearing and all that sort of stuff which isn't very sensitive um, but that, um, you know, we don't tell them that deep, deep down in the, uh, in, inside matter, for example, and, you know, and we don't tell them that light, for example, behaves in a very strange way. Um, perhaps we should be telling them that a lot earlier in their lives. Um, and basically in this podcast I've started off with that stuff you know I've started off with quantum yeah sorry uh, we'll get to that in a minute 
I've started off with the way the universe behaves at a nano level and I'm going to uh, zoom out and talk about how cricket balls fly around on a cricket field later you know so first I'm going to talk about the way atoms uh, I got interrupted but um, I always do wife, my wondering, did we get there yet, you know, uh, are we safely arrived yet, and um, we are not. Okay, so, um, what was I talking about? Ah, yes, uh, that we don't, in our school system, teach children about the way the universe behaves on a, a nano level, until they're quite old, the children. You know, we just teach them uh, what um, we've always taught children, even before we grown-ups knew about the nano world and the way it behaves. You know, we sort of say to them, listen, we really, we don't want to confuse you, so we'll just teach you what people have been teaching their children all through the centuries. You know, the way that if you throw a stone, you know, it'll... It'll um, travel in something like an arc, you know, and then land in a pond with a splash, you know. But we won't tell you what's happening deep down inside the stone or inside the water that it splashes into and all that sort of thing, you know. And, um, and we won't tell, you know, we won't tell you how you can even see that thing, you know, the way that light is um, being reflected off that stone you know, light coming from the sun and being reflected off that stone and into your eyeball and how that's converting into a signal going into your brain and how that, you know, presents to you as um, information uh, about that stone and the shape of it, you know, and then information about the shape of the splash and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, so... We won't tell you about what's going on deep down. Uh, we'll just tell you about the stone for now. That's all you can cope with, you know. And there's this um, professor in Western Australia who said, no, 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 tell them about what's inside the stone. Get them excited from the start. And, um, and I think he may have a point. Uh, because, you know, theoretically, like when I was a kid, I wasn't taught well enough and I learned to regret it. I wasn't forced to kick with my left foot and to handball with my left foot enough when I was a kid. Uh, I, I, I was allowed to go with my natural right foot and I wasn't forced to jump outside my comfort zone and I wish I had been, you know, uh, so that I could be just as good on my left foot as my right foot, you know. I, I, I shouldn't have been given just the easy the easy way out. I shouldn't have been allowed to do that. And to a certain extent, um, children perhaps, I don't know if that's a good analogy, but um, the children, you know, we should be just saying, can I tell you a story, children, about what's deep inside a stone? And uh, this professor argues that children might actually get excited by that and uh, be up for it. You know, because children are into fairy stories, for example, and they are no less freaky than the stories you could tell about the way the universe behaves at a nano level, 
surely, you know. So um, why not tell the children? They are up for it. They can, um, in fact, um, a lot of the stories that we've been telling children all through the millennia uh, about wizards doing magic things and people flying around and disappearing and reappearing and all that sort of stuff, is that not exactly pretty much, you know, the way the universe behaves at a nano level anyway. So if we can tell them about fairies at the bottom of the garden and, and we can tell them about Father Christmas being able to do, you know, physically impossible things at Christmas time um, and Easter bunnies doing whatever Easter bunnies do and all that sort of stuff and God being able to turn water into wine. You know, all this stuff is uh, defies uh, logic on a macro level, the way we're used to the universe um, behaving, but we tell the children all that stuff quite readily, and we don't think we're confusing them with that stuff, so why would we confuse them with talking about stuff that actually is happening at the nano level of the universe? Um, I think I think we could tell the children about that stuff, and I think I might talk to my children more about that stuff. Um, and say, listen, you know, when you throw a pebble into a pond, um, what you're actually looking at with your eyes is only a part of the story. That's just the macro behaviour of that stone flying through the air and uh, getting pulled down into the pond by gravity whatever that is, you know, I'll talk about that children later too, so you know what gravity is gravity is an amazing thing children, it involves warping space, you know, it it involves matter warping space and um, all that stuff, you know, and I say, oh that sounds weird, how does space warp dad, you know, why wouldn't I tell them all about that stuff, I mean I I, I told them all about the faraway tree Enid Blyton and all the weird things that happen up there So why wouldn't I tell them about this stuff? I think I could. And I think I will in this podcast. But also, I'll tell them face-to-face too as a bedtime story. Hi, children. Uh, I want to tell you about the behaviour of the universe at a subatomic level. You know, they'll play dead if I do that, just to make me shut up. (laughs) All right. So, um... So, uh, now... As I turn my mind now, you know, if I were to explain all that to a child, uh, what is the behaviour of the universe at a subatomic level, I'll say, just imagine all the craziest fairy tales you ever heard about wizards being able to appear and disappear and fairies and all that sort of stuff and magic wands and tinkerbells flying everywhere and, you know, um, and, uh, you know, things disappearing and then suddenly appearing somewhere else and all that sort of stuff. That's how the universe behaves deep down. All the fairy stories are true, you know. And and then you might get some um, new age sort of um, person who still believes in um, natural remedies from um, the Paleolithic, Paleolithic era saying, ah, yes, but the ancient sea, they tapped into all that. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so, you know. Um... Uh, just because you can see a parallel doesn't mean they sensed what was going down, going on down inside an atom, you know. Uh, people do that, you know. 
new discoveries are made and people can see a parallel with the Bible and they say, aha, the ancients knew all along. Well, yeah, they didn't, you know. And, um, but there you go, you know. You've got, to, you've got to come up with more than, you know, poetic, uh, vague poetic uh, parallels, you know. Um, you know, vague analogies. You know, you've got to be a bit more specific than that before you can claim that you've harnessed and understood and harnessed the, um, the nano-universe. You know, you've got to come up with more than flowery words that could be interpreted to um, be a parallel. You know, like you're, you've got fairies appearing and disappearing. You could say, ah, that was some ancient um, anticipating quantum states of matter. You know. You've got to have more than that before you're going to invent an iPhone. Okay, so that's that, and um, so I want to um, sort of let's dig into um, the nano world, and I think the easiest way I think to um, think about the nano world is um, you know the behaviour of the universe at a nano level, and at the speed of light, you know, at all these edges of the universe that we can't perceive with our natural senses. Our normal evolved senses. You know, we could have evolved senses that would have detected, that could have detected all this stuff, but we didn't because there was no competitive advantage to us actually evolving senses. You know, we did not need to evolve eyes, you know, to survive. We did not need to evolve eyes that could see into um, a banana and see the atoms. You know, but technically, theoretically. Um, if there had been a competitive advantage, we would have evolved those. Well, we wouldn't have. Some other species who could do that, you know, we would have been naturally selected out. And some other species that could see that sort of detail would have survived and they would be looking at the atom and they would have known all about um, the way the universe behaves at a uh, nano level, you know, for the last 10,000 years. And, you know, and... Um, the first physics that, you know, uh, Einstein would have come before Newton then, you know, and then they would have um, described, you know, let's say um, we were a species that could, um, that couldn't detect the, na- the macro world, but could detect the nano world, you know, let's say our eyes and our ears and everything um, had evolved, um, to be able to see the atoms in a banana but not see the banana itself as a whole, you know. And then later on, uh, you know, initially we would have come up with all sorts of laws of physics uh, relating to the way the universe operates at a nano level, you know, which to us is really freaky and unintuitive. Uh, yeah, but all that stuff would have been very intuitive had we... Um, had we evolved the other way around and saw the nano-universe first and the macro-universe second, you know. Um, the very first physicists who developed formulas would have developed something like quantum mechanics, you know, which describes all that stuff, uh, before uh, any physicists uh, tweaked to the idea that a macro-universe even existed. And that, that would have been the uh, revelation. They would have said, oh my God, you know, they would have said, they would have come up with all Einsteinian type of formulas first 
and then um, you know, centuries later after everyone thought that's all there was they would have come up with they would have suddenly realized that all the atoms they've been all the kind of atoms they've been looking at um, that we know now made up a banana you know they were seeing all those atoms and they liked that cluster of atoms and they were eating it, you know, the banana. Um, and then one day some really brilliant physicist, you know, long after Einstein, you know, of, that, of this other universe, you know, um, Einstein um, had developed quantum mechanics um, as the most intuitive um, physics formulas that would describe the world, you know, and everybody just took it for granted. Children would, you know, could, were just very comfortable with it because that's all they sensed anyway. Um, long after all that, someone would have managed to find a way, you know, perhaps with some new invention, to zoom out and see all those atoms conglomerated into a banana and they would have and they would have made models and tried to teach people that there was a macro, that there is a macro universe that they can't see, you know. And in that macro universe, there are bananas and trees and you know all those sorts of things, you know. Um, geez, uh, I hope I'm not going the wrong way here. Yep. Uh, when I when I talk like this, sometimes I lose my way. I I, I headed off for Flinders once talking to my mum. Uh, at this very roundabout I'm on now, you know, I'm on a roundabout that is kind of the junction between, you know, you go one way and you go to Flinders and the other way you go to Rosebud. Uh, right. Um, and I was chatting away to my mum about something. You know, my mum's great to chat to. And we, we got sort of 30 minutes towards Flinders before we realised we weren't even heading for Sorrento. And she lives in Sorrento. You know, um, there's nothing like having a mum your mum is always interested in what you're saying you know? uh, <laughs> my mum's fantastic alright so um, yeah so um, look I was talking and talking and talking now um, so, but we, we did evolve the other way around and there was a competitive, competitive advantage to us in developing eyes that couldn't see atoms you know, so there aren't the behaviour of atoms and electrons and light rays even, all the little things um, at the nano level, they're unintuitive to us uh, because we evolved, there was a competitive advantage for us to evolve to um, perceive things on a macro level more. It, there was a competitive advantage for us to be able to see the banana as a whole without seeing into it. So our eyes did not evolve We've got a bit of rain out there. That might be the cool change. Now the thing about um, Melbourne is, um, it, uh, now it was dark. The sun had already set. You know when I was speaking to you from Baxter before, and um, today's been I think about 42 degrees. 42 degrees. I th um, rain is now hitting my windscreen all of a sudden, which sort of tells me I haven't wound down the window yet that probably the cool change is hitting. I didn't even look up when that was supposed to happen, but I know we are going to plummet to 19 degrees. You know, in the space of uh, probably an hour, for all I know. Um, that's very Melbourne. Uh, there was a one day recently where, you know, let's say it was a Thursday, 
and the lowest temperature on the Thursday overnight, at, you know, I think it was about 6 a.m., uh, was higher than the highest temperature on the Friday. Alright, that's Melbourne. Okay. Uh, quiet. No, you can't have my phone. I'm busy talking on it. I'm doing my podcast. Hmm. Anyway, uh, I am. Um, I, he didn't, you know, he's been under his headphones all this time. Yeah, that's Alex. It's not Jeff. Or Bob. Or Fred. Um, right. Uh, so, um, I am going to dig into the nano universe, and I'm taking my time, you know. You may be using this podcast to get to sleep. Uh, but, um, quiet, Alex. I'm talking. I don't want you talking. And I'm reading. <laughs> Look, he has emerged from the deep. So I might put a stop to it there, and we'll finish it later. What are you reading? My writing. Well, oh, thank you. I was just listening back to myself speaking uh, all of that episode, and uh, firstly, it's very hard to kick a handball. Uh, um, but yeah, moving right along. Uh, uh, what was the other thing I was thinking? Oh, if you were to introduce a child to the idea that when a stone falls into a pond of water, you know, splash, um, you might um, say, look at it, if you were as small as an electron, um, what you would see there, if you were down there at that level, and you were as small as an electron sitting on the edge of the stone as it dropped into the water, what you would see there is a whole lot of space mainly, um, but you wouldn't probably be able to... uh, distinguish what was stone and what was water, you know, because you're right on the surface of the stone falling into the water. All right, you're sitting there. And um, to a very, very large extent, I think, um, you are living in a blended universe down there and all the um, atoms of the stone are almost indistinguishable from all the atoms of the um, of the water you know and uh, but there's a danger in saying that because uh, you know I, I know that new age people are inclined to say um, <clears throat> we're all blended you know um, everything's blended into everything else you know look as I'm driving along in this car I'm blended most definitely with the car with the person in the car in front of me driving along there if I was as small as an electron and um, standing still uh, in front of the car in, in front of me, um, as that car and that human being driving that car drove right through me, you know, I might very well, you know, I'm just stationary, and that car might drive right through me, I'm, a, I'm the size of an electron, and you know, right through me, you know, and all I really saw was a whole blur of um, 
protons and neutrons and electrons coming past me and then another car would come through me um, but the whole time I would be thinking um, can you turn that down for a second Alex just a little bit just came in. thank you just turn it down that's enough um, you don't have to turn it off uh, and, and, and I would probably argue after those two cars went past me that those two humans well I wouldn't even um, perceive humans all I would all I would perceive is an, uh, just a, a solar system full of protons, neutrons, electrons and all sorts of other things buzzing about. Um, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even perceive atoms really, you know, because uh, they're too huge compared to me. So, um, yeah, to a certain extent I'm blended with the person in front of me and the car in front of me. So we're all, we're all as one, you know what I mean? And, um, and new age people... Uh, I think uh, inclined to get carried away with that thinking and say that in every context we're blended and we should forget about you know any other context you know because they get excited um, and a child might do that too you know I'll say imagine you're an electron and you're sitting on the edge of a stone and um, and um, you know what could you see as the stone drops into the water and you say oh, all I can see is electrons protons neutrons but I can't really work out what's an electron and a proton and a neutron from the stone and you know look I, I can sort of see some protons and neutrons and electrons are a bit more close together over there than they are here you know um, uh, but you know more or less uh, it's just a a real, it's like the stars down here, you know, it's like looking at the night sky, you know, it's just little flashy, little flashes of energy or something, you know, um, little flashes of the, uh, uh, buzzy little freaky things down here, all over the place, and I can't tell what's stone and what's water. Now, new age people are inclined to then say, right, now, here's what conclusion we'll draw from that. There is no real difference between a stone and water. It's all the same thing, you know. It's all blended. Uh, but I think there's a danger in getting too carried away with that. You know, as if there's no macro universe. You know, as if, you know, they almost may, they all, almost get themselves living in a nano world and forget that the macro world exists. You know, they almost get Einsteinian and, um, and start refusing to even talk about Newtonian mechanics, you know. They're all at the Einstein level and they refuse to just um, address the fact that Newton's laws are still holding very firmly in a macro sense. Now, not perfectly, perfectly accurate, but gee, very accurately, you know. And what I'm getting at with that is, yes, if you were as small as an electron, um, all the protons and neutrons, as that stone is um, falling through the water, you know, all, this, all the protons and neutrons and electrons in both sort of states of matter and liquid, you know, um, are all blended, yeah, like the New Age people say. But the fact of the matter is um, that all the protons and the neutrons in the stone are... Um, are sticking together almost in a racist way they won't mix you know they're tightly bound to each other holding firm and they have no interest in uh, you know they can't commune 
yeah, um, with the protons and neutrons and electrons in the water. So they are very distinct still. They will not have anything to do with the other ones. They're all tightly bound together. And as so, and to prove that, you can pick you can pick the stone out of the water. And um, every proton, neutron, and electron, even though they're made of the same substance as the protons and neutrons and electrons in the water, uh, the H, the hydrogen, oxygen, you know, the ones in the hydrogen and oxygen um, atoms, um, you can pick up that stone out of the water, dry it in the sun, and every single proton and every single neutron that was in the stone before it fell into the water is still sticking tight, sticking together. They never did, they never were blended, you know. They were tightly bound to each other almost in a racist way, you know. And uh, I don't mind that little uh, analogy I'm making up as I speak there. In a racist way, that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, because it actually, actually that transfers because, you know, deep down we humans are the same. Um, not only at a proton, neutron, electron um, level, but even at a DNA level, um, you know, more or less we're the same. Not identical, but pretty close. Um, so we're all the same. We only think we're different sometimes, you know. People just, um, you know, and, uh, but um, we're all pretty much the same deep down. But we are different, you know. I, I have never been mistaken for a, um, a Kenyan, you know. Uh, for a uh, what's that super super race tribe uh, Kalenjin you know I've never been accused of being Kalenjin you know and I've never won a hundred meter dash at the Olympics you know so um, look to, so we're, we're a bit the same we humans you know deep down in the DNA level uh, but we're different too you know um, so they're you know, on two different levels we are different you know those songs that say we are we are we are all the same are wrong we're not, you know, we're, we're, we're the same in some ways, you know, deep down at a DNA level and all that sort of thing, but we're very different in our evolved states because I can't run uh, as fast as a Kalenjin, the average Kalenjin can, you know. Um, and uh, and um, the, who was it? Um, the North Melbourne uh, coach. Uh, we've got this... Uh, bloke Majak Dor playing for North Melbourne and he comes from Sudan um, you know, we're all scrambling in the in the footy in the AFL to we, we tend to try go hunting for uh, Sudanese uh, people Irish people they tend to be really good at footy and uh, and also um, and uh, indigenous Australian people you know because they're there are differences, you know, both physically and culturally. Anyway, this coach said, and, and it is analogous to what I want to say about electrons, uh, sorry, protons and neutrons. Um, this coach said he looked at the muscle mass of Magic Door, you know, and he said, I could train the rest of the players in this team who are all Anglo, you know, um, most of whom are sort of Anglo. Um, I could, they could train for. Uh, 27 hours a day and they would never be able to develop that physical, that muscle mass you know, magic door he's just got it there, you know so we're different on a, what you might call a macro level, we humans um, but we're the same at a micro, you know, a nano level and even a micro level, even at the DNA level, you know um, and at uh, atomic level, you know 
uh, were the same. Now, moving across then to the stone and the water in the same sense, New Age people tend to get carried away and say, all you need to think about is the fact we're blended and that's all you need to know. Um, we're all the same. We are all the same. Um, the stone is blended with the water and the stone is the same as the water. There is no difference, you know. That is true on a nano level, uh, but it's not true. And it, you know, it's not true on a macro level. Don't throw away Newton yet, you know, I would say to the children. Listen, get excited by all means about um, understanding the universe on a nano level, but the universe um, is also um, behaving in a certain way at a macro level irrespective of how it's behaving on a nano level um, it's doing things in a macro way too and when we move from the nano level to the macro level we sort of move from physics to chemistry you know, and chemistry tells us how all the different atoms and molecules bond together on a macro level and uh, and when they do that um, you do start to find that a stone bears no resemblance, and it really doesn't, um, to water. It's a different thing. No, it's not. It's the same, says the New Age person, but no, it's different. A stone is different than water. No, at an atomic level, remember? Yes, I know it's the same at an atomic level, but it's not the same at a macro level. In fact, you know, you know you've got the physics of the atoms at a nano level, or at the physics of all the forces between all the protons and the neutrons and the electrons, and then, you know, um, you zoom out and um, chemistry starts to, you know, as we zoom out, we call that process chemistry, and we start to see how all the uh, electrons and neutrons and protons are, um, are forming, uh, forming, uh, forming together in patterns. And, uh, and then bonding together depending on how many protons and neutrons are in the center of each atom and you know how those are bonding to other atoms you know and all that sort of stuff and then suddenly we get solids and liquids and gases and all that sort of stuff and um, you know and we're in the realm of chemistry there and um, you know chemistry as a discipline does exist for a reason even though new age hippies are disregarding that sometimes and only focusing on the behavior of the universe at a nano level. But the universe has not only got behavior at a nano level, it's got a, a behavior at a micro level, you know, which is, you know, chemistry, let's say. All right, and then as you, you know, come even further out and you get in a very macro level, you, you start to see this solid stone, you know, which is very different from water. No, it isn't said there's a new age person. Well, yes, it is, you know. Um, it's a very different thing, you know. Um, and at a macro level, if you throw that stone, it, it follows laws of physics um, that, um, that, you know, like as a conglomerate, you know, that bundle of protons and neutrons and electrons, even though inside the stone, um, that stone is behaving in a nano way, what we call a quantum way, you know, in a freaky way deep down, Within the stone, that's all buzzing about inside, and the rules, the laws of physics in there are freaky. Um, but as a, a bundle, 
of freaky protons, neutrons, and electrons. The stone as a whole, yeah, as long as you uh, measure it, measure its behaviour as you throw it, for example, to what? No more than um, as long as you don't, as long as you're happy with an accuracy of no more than, um, say, nine decimal places or seven decimal places or something like that, is behaving in a very macro way according to Newtonian mechanics, you know, um, classical me mechanics, the sort of mechanics that um, humans sort of figured out before Einstein and his friends came along, all that applies very, very accurately. So you don't throw that stuff away. Um, you need that still, because to try and describe that the uh, behavior of that stone as it flies through the air in Einsteinian sort of ways, you know, you would have to recognize it for what it actually is, and that is it too. You know, the whole stone as a whole, because all the electrons and protons and neutrons are in a quantum state, the stone as a whole is in a quantum state. You know, it's just a sort of, I, I like to think of it in my mind as a, it's a bundle of energy. You know, I don't know if energy is the right word, but look, it sort of is, but it's in a quantum state. Sometimes I say it is a quantum state, you know, that, um, you know, this is me with my bad grammar, but sometimes I think of that stone as having a quantum state. That stone is a quantum state, you know? Um, but it's really in a quantum state. But sometimes I think of it, all the protons and neutrons and electrons as, you know, energy, you know? It's not really energy. Look, at it's potential energy in as much as if you've got a, a, a piece of matter inside a stone, it could theoretically be um, split, you know, with nuclear fission and it could be turned into energy. So it is energy in the sense that it could be turned into energy. You know, there is a relationship there. Uh, so, you know, sometimes sort of lazily I'll call protons, neutrons and electrons and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'll call those things uh, bundles of energy. Um, yeah, but that gets a little bit tricky because they're mass, they are mass, you know, they do have mass. Uh, we'll get to all of that. Um, but, you know, mass is potentially energy. All right, that's how I'll finish off this episode. Mass, you know, when, when I say something has mass, like a proton or an electron, it, um, it uh, is related to energy. It is um, because if it were to convert into energy, which it could by nuclear fission, um, it is related to energy mass essentially is potential energy it's potentially energy okay so mass could be converted into energy so it is energy in a sense you know if you get really loose with your language uh, and um, and we and Einstein yeah that's his famous equation um, if something weighs a certain amount of mass then if it gets converted into energy the amount of energy it gets converted into is the mass uh, times the speed of light squared. E equals mc squared. You know, that's my favorite formula, mainly because I almost understand it. Most of the other formulas relating to quantum mechanics, you know, the physics of the nano world is beyond me, but I will work my way into that stuff, you know, but the statistics on it of, um, of working out um, how the universe is behaving on a nano level is pretty 
you've got to be pretty good at statistics, um, and I'm not. Uh, but you know, that, that's a nice, easy formula to get a handle on. E equals mc squared. Um, and what that is saying is that mass can be turned into energy. So in some senses, mass is energy, or it's potentially energy anyway. And, uh, and for that reason, you know, sometimes when I'm thinking about mass, down at a proton, neutron, and electron level, I'm imagining those things to be um, kind of energy states, you know, potentially in, potential energy states. Uh, and, uh, and another reason I tend to call them energy states, or, and I call them quantum states too, um, yeah, uh, because there's a, they have a statistical nature, which I'll talk about another time. Um, uh, I call them energy states because I'm, for fun, imagine that if I was the size of an electron, they wouldn't look very solid. They would look like buzzy, freaky energy states, you know, to me. I just imagine that. I don't know what they would look like down there because I've never been down there. But, you know, that's why I sometimes lazily call um, matter an energy state, you know. I don't know if you go with that if you want. But look, the point of all this chat just now was to say that, yes, at a uh, very nano level, a stone is really the same thing as um, water. So yes, Hindu, you are right. Uh, but you wouldn't want to just um, become um, too absorbed in your Hindu thoughts, sitting under a tree like Buddha all the time. You still have to operate in the real world. Well, you know, unless you are the Buddha. And um, and when you you know you may want to throw a stone into the water. And if you do not going to be useful for you to think that the universe is only behaving that only the behavior of the universe at a nano level is part of you know the experience of being alive in this universe also part of being alive in this universe is to also note with interest that um, there is a physics of the macro world as well so I'll leave you with that thought. You know, don't get too deep into your hippie, your hippie new age thoughts. You still do have to walk around this universe and you know, not get run over by cars. You don't want to be thinking, um, you know, you don't want to be thinking, oh man, if I don't, if I only think about, you know, I'm just blended with that car coming right for me. Um, I'm at one with that car, you know. I'm, I'm feeling so spiritual right now and then bang, you're dead. You've got to live in both worlds, the macro world and the nano world. All right, that loop.